Hello guys and welcome back to Bench Busted, uh, an FPL podcast with me and Jack where we talk about our teams, how they performed over the week and what's going on in the world of fantasy football. As always, joined by Jack. How are you doing, Jack? You know what, mate? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, despite the fact, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to talk about it, the FA Cup and, and injuries involving uh, the FA Cup and has thrown a lot of doubt into the air for a lot of managers in terms of people who have made transfers early uh, going into the double game week and a series of double game weeks that we've got, got coming up. But I, I feel good. Yeah, you, you, you said it. That's the story of the week. And, and there's games going on as we record this as well. So no doubt, plenty more injuries to come because that's the story of the week. Loads and loads of injuries in the FA Cup. And I think the headline for me is that I personally haven't been, I was going to say, I haven't been affected by it. <laughs> but call this hotline if you've been affected by injuries in the FA Cup. I haven't been affected <laughs> By, like my team hasn't been affected by the injuries in the FA Cup. But I don't feel, I'm not happy, I'm not celebrating. I'm just aware of how sort of crap a situation it can be for managers who are getting getting done by all these injuries. I say that. Antonio, West Ham striker that we both love and adore, he is flagged. He's at 75% chance to play because uh, David Moyes said he couldn't quite make it. I think that that was a bit of a ruse to give him some rest because he needs some rest. And... Even within the last couple of hours, actually, I'm seeing that he's going to be fit for the game at the weekend against Sheffield United. So that was the one that was worried for my team. And uh, that's OK. Has your team done all right, Jackie? Are you surviving the FA Cup or are you in more trouble? Yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I'm in a tiny bit more trouble than you are. I think, yeah, the Mikhail Antonio one was a bit of a worry. But then you have to look at it and they were playing Man United in the FA Cup. And it was one of those where I think Moyes at the moment is going to prioritise getting a good finish in the league. You know, West Ham are doing fantastically well so far this season. So I think Moyes knows where he's targeting and he knows where his priorities lie. And, and you know, dare I say it, they are going to maybe make a push for European spots uh, come the end of the season. But yeah, I, I think David Moyes just knows that he had to give Antonio a, a bit of a rest. I think we are all in the FPL community aware of how injury prone he is and, and how injury prone he has been over the last couple of seasons for them. But when he's in that team, he makes things happen. So I think, yeah, it's it's a wise it's a wise move from Moyes to to give him a bit of a rest. He wasn't going to make it anyway because his star player Jesse Lingard wasn't even able to play in the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean Jesse Lingard was a revelation for them. Um, when when he did the in his debut and he scored two goals and and played fantastically well. I think. David Moyes has also come out and said in terms of his striker situation, he didn't want to panic um, in January and just buy a striker for the sake of buying a striker. I think he wants to imprint his stamp on that club a bit more, which he's doing fantastically well. And it's, again, you know, you keep hearing comparisons about how Moyes was when he was in charge of Everton. And this West Ham side, certainly at the moment, is is giving us signs of, of that Everton side um, that he managed for, I think it was, what, eight seasons, nine seasons? Um, so... Yeah, it's it's looking good on on that front. Speaking of Everton, um, DCL, uh, another another player who went off injured in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic game. We're recording this on a Thursday, and it was a fantastic game against Spurs um, yesterday. Uh, ended five four to Everton with Bernard picking up the winning goal in in extra time. But DCL went off after I think it was fifty five minutes. Um, he went down injured. Seamus Coleman came on, but DCL 
sort of just walked straight down the touchline, uh, straight down the tunnel as well, and and was holding his hamstring a little bit. I think as of yet, we haven't had any confirmed news about you know how serious the injury is. Um, I know a lot of managers, I think over 500,000 managers now have transferred in Calvert-Lewin this week um, before the double because Everton are one of the teams uh, that do double in uh, game week 24. So they are maybe giving their head a little bit of a scratch at the moment. Um, the other player who I transferred in last week, um, but then subsequently benched, was Ruben Diaz. And again, you know, Pep came out saying, oh, well, Ruben Diaz didn't feel that great. Um, he wasn't, you know, fully fit. He was maybe suffering with a bit of illness. Um, and and yeah, I mean, Ever City made it through in the FA Cup, a 3-1 win against Swansea. So, I mean, Diaz, I, I again... I'm not going to panic on DS because I've just transferred him in and he sat on my bench for one week. And I think that there are some mixed, or there's mixed news coming out about him. Um, we're hoping, or certainly I'm, I'm hoping that he is back and fit enough for, for the double game because I think that that Manchester City defense is a lot more solid when he is in the picture as opposed to when, when they play without him. I mean, they do have good coverage, so it wouldn't surprise me if Pep just maybe rests him for, for that first game of the double game week. But, you know, I mean, I've, I've got areas that I want to deal with. And I think more so this season than ever, you know, the key word is patience. Um, I've been trying, as you know, to try and exercise patience a lot more, um, certainly this season than I have in previous seasons, because I, I, I definitely think that, you know, last season or the season before, I would have maybe jumped the gun and, and wanted to make transfers early. Um, but I am sort of holding out now, especially with the double game week as well. No, I, I agree. And, and you, you mentioned the City game. We were, I was I was lucky. So you've obviously doubled up on Man City at the back because they're sound defensively. I've gone for a double up in midfield. I, I said this last week and, and I might as well immediately say it now that my transfer was, of course, Son to Sterling and I did it so quickly. And then... And then the FA Cup comes around and, and you're, you're thinking, should I have done this as quickly as I did it? Sterling and Gundogan, thankfully, came off quite quickly, about 57 minutes. Cancelo didn't even play. So I got through that game with, with a bit of a wing and a prayer and I'm, and I'm happy about that. And I think now, having a look at my team and I think based on sort of my knowledge of the fixtures that are left, that my entire team is now safely through the FA Cup and, the, and there's no more games left to play, which is... um. A blessing in disguise, except for, of course, Kilman on the bench. But that game is... So the general thing that's going on with these FA Cup games is that if a team, a Premier League team wins, it means that their FA Cup quarterfinal will be during game week 29. They will subsequently then blank the 29 fixture they'd have for the league. And that game will be moved to 26, I think, as, as a general rule of thumb, um, which is which is good for, for people who own sort of United players um, and, and City players, amongst others. The the other thing that's going on, or, or one of the other stories that's happening at the moment, is because obviously there was a, there's a lot of Aston Villa fixtures to, to come. <laughs> they have a lot of fixtures to play. And that is that um, if... So because Spurs lost to Everton, they went out of the cup, so they would have a free game week in 29... I think they're scheduled to play. They're scheduled to play Southampton, and or or, or them or Aston Villa are scheduled to play Southampton. And basically, if Southampton beat Wolves today, then 
there's a chance that Aston Villa versus Spurs will be put into uh, game week 29. I think that's what's happening. It's very hard to keep up with all of this. We said it before we started recording the podcast that Ben Krellin on Twitter is someone you should absolutely follow because the man is a god and he predicts everything and is so on top of fixtures. But that's something to look out for, at least. There's a possibility that Spurs will have, uh, well, they'll have a, a number, a double couple, couple of double game weeks coming up. And then also um, they won't blank in 29. And the same can be said for Aston Villa, who have so many games to be rescheduled that they'll just be jamming the minute points now uh, as and when they can. And game week 29 looks like a very, very possible time for that to happen after they obviously got knocked out of the cup by Liverpool when they fielded literal children because everyone else had COVID. <laughs> so so there's a lot, lot to think about. I know it's, it's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. Do you, do you pay much attention to this, Jack? Are, are you on top? Are you trying to keep on top of this as well? Yes and no. I, I, I don't think, certainly for 24 and 25, we know that there are a limited amount of fixtures that are going to be or a limited amount of teams, should I say, that are playing two games in, in the week. Um, I I pay attention to it, or I, 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 I like to know as much information about who's playing doubles as early as I can. Um, as you say, I think Ben Krellin is a fantastic source for that, and he has been over the last God knows how many years now. Um, and and it's, it's certainly with 24 and 25, when there's only a select few teams playing double game weeks I don't think it's to be all and end all because managers will be trying to transfer in players from those clubs into their teams um, but nine times out of ten they may not actually feature in a bigger double game week as you say there are quite a few teams who are or there, there, there are a couple of teams who are going to be double game weeking in 24 and then in 26 as well possibly even 27 some of them so there, there are a lot of fixtures to be fit in I think that comes with the fact as you say Covid and and the suspended fixtures at the start of the season as well and, and postponements are a lot more prominent this season than they have been over the last couple of years um, I think as well one thing to keep an eye on is you know we, we're coming up to the point where the European competitions are going to start taking place again um, and I know that the rescheduling of games for those uh, competitions probably won't happen until, you know, week 33 onwards. But there will be possibilities of more teams playing doubles. I think, depending on how deep they go into the cup as well, may may have an effect on it. There are certainly murmurings of Tottenham potentially having a triple game week at some point if they do go deep um in Europe as well as uh well I guess now I don't I don't know how it plays into effect now that they are out of the FA Cup but certainly it, it would be interesting if it did happen it's never happened before but yeah I mean doubles are I think any FPL manager will say you know it's not the be all and end all but it is something that you need to pay attention and you need to be aware of certainly in terms of improving your rank um and again, it comes down to chip, chip strategy as well. You know, we've both used our triple captain and free hit. Now, not only do we have to navigate the double game week 26, there is also blank game week 29. As you say, you know, a lot of fixtures being rescheduled from game week 29 into 26. So a lot of teams are going to be blanking in game week 29. And it's about how you go about trying to navigate the blank as as well as the double 
Um, we both have our second wild card. I think a lot of FPL managers will still have their second wild card. Some may even still have their free hit, but the free hit is the ideal chip to use during the blank game week. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting and it certainly makes it very exciting in terms of, you know, when, when it comes to game week 26, you could see some managers playing the bench boost with a full starting 11 of, oh, well, I guess a, a, an entire team, an entire 15 man squad playing two games and if you activate your bench boost and so that it effectively makes your you have a team of 30 players and if you get returns you know 20 out of 30 of those you're looking at a a potential massive massive week and certainly a, a massive increase in your in your overall rank as well yeah no I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that and and I think I'm in a similar position where trying to plan too far ahead is difficult, but planning for 26, maybe trying to get a bench boost in, which um, which could be beneficial. I've got some money in the bank. I could upgrade my bench. I could get a goalkeeper who isn't an Aston Villa player, which would be nice, <laughs> so that I could potentially get Watkins at one point. There's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and I do look at it as, as I think, basically, um, you said you do too, in the short term at least, where... I made a real effort to move towards um, tripling up on Man City uh, in time for their double game week this week. And actually, other double game weeks that Man City will probably have, I, it's very likely that they have a couple of them in quick succession. So so I've done that and I'm thinking about that. And now I think it's time for me to start moving towards the 26 and, and 29 navigation, especially with uh, the FA Cup fixtures coming through. But again... We don't know about all of that um, just yet because there's still lots of permutations and lots of rearranging that can happen um, regardless of fixtures, depending on sort of how the FA and the Premier League want to uh, want to put games into into weeks, especially the games that are postponed sort of randomly, like, for example, the, the, the Newcastle or Aston Villa game or, or the other COVID postponements, right? But uh, moving on anyway, Jack, first things first, how did your week go? How have you done this week? Uh, are you happy? Are you sad? Do you need a cuddle? Oh boy! I mean, a cuddle would be fantastic. Um, but you know what, mate? I said this to you earlier in the week. It's the second successive week now that I've had seventy plus points, and I only—I re- I didn't even realise that until yeah. In, in, I, I didn't realise it immediately after the the, the final fixture um, of game week twenty three, but. Yeah, it was, I don't know, maybe I'm starting to turn a corner. I ended up on 79 points. The average was 58. And quite honestly, I mean, the only the only bad thing really is, is putting a captain's armband on, on Fernandez instead of Ilkay Gundogan. I mean, Gundogan in, in that game for City against Liverpool, you know, the biggest game of, well, I would say arguably the season so far, you know, the, the former champions against Manchester City who are bang on form at the moment. And, and yeah, Gundogan could have had a hat trick, missed a penalty. I think a lot of FPL managers were, you know, sighing and, and wanting to just end the game and, 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 and not continue. But Gundogan, I mean, he made certainly more than made up for it. I, I think Pep maybe has a bit of concerns about him being the permanent penalty taker um, in, in the upcoming games. But yeah, I mean, Gundogan grabs two goals, gets 13 points as well. And yeah, it could have been more. He could have ended on 21 had he scored that, that, that penalty. But I think as far as, you know, righting the wrong goes, 
he he did fantastically well. I mean, I've I've got smattering of of double digit returns around the pitch. I've got Martinez in goal as well with nine points, another clean sheet, which is again, I mean, that guy is just unbelievable so far this season. I think the fact that you and I got on him as early as we did is is again, I, I think a, a stroke of genius. If I have to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back there, I've got Stuart Dallas at the back as well. I mean, he's. I've said this before, I think, but he is John Lundstrom from last season. He's a defender. He started off at 4.5, but he's playing as a midfielder. He's getting forward. He's contributing with goals, with assists as well. And he just looks fantastic. And, and to be honest, I, especially with Leeds doubling in game week 25, I think it's it's nice to have him sat there. And, and there are definitely, uh, there's definitely a potential for, for other Leeds assets to come into the team before the game week 25 deadline. But yeah, Fernandez captaining him up to uh, 14 points, Gundogan 13 points. Calvert-Lewin as well in, in the team, uh, picking up the all-important equalising goal against, uh, against Man United. And yeah, I mean, he... It's fantastic. He got 12 points. So a, a smattering of, of hauls all across the pitch, mate. What about yourself? Uh, obviously did worse than you, which is actually... <laughs> oh, it goes without saying these days. You've moved, you've moved 15 points ahead of me now in the overall standings, I believe. So um, a lot of, lot of work for my players to do. <laughs> or is that just a sterling captain in the double game week away from, 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 uh, from success? Who knows? But I've done worse. We, we have a lot of the same players, I think. Um, one of the reasons I didn't fall so far behind you is because Bamford uh, did at least get uh, a goal, which was nice. Son returned with 10 points. And my pick, Luke Shaw, got a, he got a cheeky little assist, but he only got three points in the end because <laughs> they lost. They lost. They drew 3-3. Three, three, and um, I think he even picked up a yellow card just for just for good measure. Classic <laughs> Luke Shaw, that, isn't it? So I did worse worse than you but still smashed the average still got 68 points and and honestly I feel good about the team I, I feel like it's, it's it's moving in I always say this I say this all the time I feel like I'm moving in the right direction frankly it's because the the season started so badly apart from and Jack you're right we're geniuses apart from the Martinez move getting Martinez in early has um helped our helped our rank massively and honestly He's looking every time. Every, every I think I think every day. Every time we do the podcast from now on in, I'm going to keep an eye on how close Martinez is to Brad Friedel's record because there's a real chance that he that he breaks it and he becomes the highest ever scoring goalkeeper in a season. And I, and I think especially with the doubles that they've got coming up. And I and I think honestly, not owning Martinez is is criminal. It's it's insane at this point. And. I thought a similar thing about Aaron Creswell, who became last weekend the or last game week the the first defender to pass over a hundred points. And I thought, why have I not owned this guy or even thought about this guy at any point during the season? And why have I got Luke Shaw instead? <laughs> so I say I say you'd have to be an idiot not to own Martinez, but I've never even considered owning the top two. I think highest scoring defenders at all this season because, of course. Um, Justin, James Justin, also passed over the 100-point mark, I think, quite recently with another big haul, um, <laughs> with, an, with another big haul. Uh, and I just I just, I haven't even considered him at any point because Leicester obviously drew 0-0 with Wolves and I think he picked up all three bonus points in that. So brilliant. Should have got in Justin, right? But uh, he's also, uh, actually should mention, don't get in Justin now because he's probably one of the injured or 
he's likely to be injured um, from the from the FA Cup. He's another player who went off with a, a hamstring injury, I think, as well, or, or he limped off against Brighton, and he's touch and go for uh, for the Liverpool game. So, yeah, maybe I should have got him in, but uh, maybe it's all right. So that's my week, Jack. A big sixty-eight points, um, <laughs> not not as good as you, and I'll be looking to make it up in the in the double game week, where hopefully Diaz Diaz stays ill. I think Ruben Diaz will probably play. Um, I think his minutes might be limited, certainly in the first game of the double game week for for City. I think, like I said earlier, I think City look definitely a lot better defensively when they have him in. But that's not to say that the old Pep Roulette would kick in and maybe Diaz starts on the bench. Um, The only frustrating thing, again, it's, it's, it's one of those sort of weird situations that you find yourself in because if you have a double game week player and in in my case Ruben Diaz and say he only plays in one out of the two games and maybe he concedes in the one game that he does play I know that Man City have been fantastic defensively this season and and the clean sheets that they've kept and the you know the bonus point magnet that is Ruben Diaz has been phenomenal but if if they were to concede a goal and he only plays in one of them. You're you're staring down a barrel of a two pointer. Whereas you could have someone sat on your bench. In my case, at the moment, it's it's still going to be Andy Robertson. Um, in 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 my case, because I mean the Liverpool defense has just looked a bit shaky at the moment. So, yeah, you could be in a situation where Andy Robertson playing a single game does a lot better than Ruben Diaz, who has the potential to play two, but only ends up playing one. And I think that that's, again, goes back to my comment earlier of double game weeks not being the the be-all and end-all of, of FPL. I, I think you can focus too much on potentially bringing in double game week players um, and, and you know taking out a player who will score twice as much uh, just by playing one game. I think that comes into effect with the whole, well, who do I captain? And we'll get onto that later. But Bruno Fernandes will be playing West Brom. Um, and, and we know how, well, let, let's be honest, we know how poor West Brom have been defensively. So there is that there is that question about, is a double game week player actually better to captain than, than Bruno Fernandes? Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those tricky situations because if Ruben Diaz only plays one game, then I'll be hoping for... Leicester to at least score a couple of goals against Liverpool. Oh, look at why? Why got? I'm playing Trent. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. I can't. It's it's usually about this time of year that Liverpool uh, thump thump Leicester. So that's what I'll be hoping for, to be honest. And um, I won't. I don't really have much for playing bench, and and, and there's no one, not not really many decisions to make. So we'll get onto that. We'll get onto the captains. We'll get onto the double game week fixtures in a bit. We'll quickly run through because there are some big results to talk about here. The, the results from from the from the previous game week from game week uh, from game week twenty what is it twenty three now yeah game week twenty three and um, on Saturday as we all expected Aston Villa beat Arsenal one nil Burnley drew one one with Brighton Newcastle beat Southampton three two especially impressive considering they went down to ten men although I wouldn't jump on in Newcastle assets at the moment because Wilson is another victim of the FA Cup um, Fulham drew nil nil with West Ham which is a shame for a all of us owners of all of our all of the West Ham players that aren't that that aren't defenders. Um, shout out to Creswell getting points. Uh, and the game <laughs> that we care about, Man United, who who were three one up, who, who were battering definitely two nil up, battering Everton, drew three three with Everton, and Calvert Lewin got a goal and assist. 
Luke Shaw got an assist. Wan-Bissaka got an assist. Fernandez got a goal, a very, a very, very good goal, may I add. A lot, lot to be said about that game. What did you make of it? Oh, mate, I mean, it was a fantastic spectacle to watch. It was one of the games that I was glad to have sat down and watched. Um, I mean, the, the Bruno goal was sensational. Um, you know, you, you, you see him shape to try and cross it. He sort of gives uh, Tom Davies the old dummy and then just switches it back and, and you know, keeps it on, on, on his right foot. And then he just sort of takes one look up at the goalkeeper. Everton, mind you, playing without Pickford. Um, they, they had the substitute goalkeeper, Robin Olsen, um, playing in between the sticks, Pickford out, I believe, via injury as well. And, I mean, he just looks up and sort of just scoops it over the top of the goalkeeper into the far corner from about, you know, what is it, 20, 25 yards out. And it was just a fantastic goal to watch. And his his sort of reaction after the goal, and he just sort of stood there, just sort of like shrugging, being like, yeah, that's that's what I do. And, and I mean, Bruno Fernandes, again, is one of those players that, I think we'll be talking about from now and, and we have been talking about in and, and, and we probably will be until the end of the season because we say it all the time. Man United could be in a bit of a hole um, and, and you know that Bruno Fernandes is going to look to do something special. He is that creative spark. He is their, arguably their best player um, and, and certainly the in, in his first year at United, as you remember, he was bought in... in the January transfer window into 2020. So in his first year at Man United, he has created everything for them. And, and he has been that focal point in the attack. And and I think that, that it goes without saying that, that Man United would not be anywhere near where they are um, without him. And I think it's it's a master signing from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I mean, credit, credit to Everton, um, you know, for getting themselves back into it. I mean, Calvert-Lewin basically equalising with, you know, the final touch of the game. Um, I think Everton even threw their goalkeeper, Robin Olsen, up forward for that uh, final moment free kick. Um, I think it was Luca Dean who crossed the ball in and it took a little bit of a deflection or uh, I guess Michael Keane would claim that he got the assist and of course he did get the last touch before Calvert-Lewin poked it in in front of David De Gea. Whether or not he meant it um, is is yet to be seen. But yeah, Calvert-Lewin was just there unmarked around the back post and just nipped in ahead of De Gea and, and poked it home and, yeah, picked up a massive point for, for Everton. And DCL was on a bit of a scoring run, as, as, as we've mentioned. He is now out injured and a lot of FPL managers, myself included, are, are waiting to, to see the news of his uh, scan and, and see how long he might be out for. But, I mean, Calvert-Lewin to, to pick up 12 points, I mean, he got that goal assist and all three bonus was... I mean, it, it, it turned a good game week for me into a quite honestly a, a, a brilliant game week no yeah no you say it yourself I was thinking while you're describing the Fernandez goal and, and you're talking about it with such passion and joy I was sort of imagining a world Jack where we didn't we didn't get on the Bruno train and and we're sat there <laughs> and we're looking at this goal and we're still just furious that we're not a part of, we, Bruno isn't a part of our team quite honestly I still have no I mean, I, I know that a lot of teams, certainly at the start of the season, you know, you have all of these people creating their teams or whatever. But we know from past experience that a lot of teams later down the line, a lot of managers just who aren't in FPL as as, as much as we are, certainly, uh, they, they sort of just leave their team to rot away 
at the side. And I mean, maybe that's part of the reason, but I still can't believe that he's only owned by 59.3% of managers, mate. Oh, mate, me neither. It has to be dead teams. It has to be the reason that Trent is so hot. No, actually, the reason Trent's highly owned is because he's great and he's going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm a fool. But but yes, Bruno, oh, it should really be 100. It's, it's similar. There are a couple of players that, that you feel uh, similar about, like, like Grealish, for example, although he's a bit trickier, or, or Martinez. There are, there are players that you think really should be just 100% owned if people are really taking the game seriously. Um, I used to say it about Robertson, but, but Liverpool did, did in fact drop off quite significantly uh, over the last couple of weeks and months. They're 27 points down on where they were at this point in the league last season at Liverpool, which is the worst in the league. Um, I think testament to how good their season was last, last year and how much they missed some of their key players this year. So we'll move on from that anyway. We'll go back. We'll go onwards to the Sunday games where uh, Spurs beat West Brom 2-0. Wolves drew 0-0 with Leicester in, in possibly the worst game of uh, the uh, the weekend. The big game, Liverpool lost 4-1 to Man City and Sheffield lost 2-1 to Chelsea or Sheffield United, I should say, because I don't want to offend Chris Wilder. I know you're listening. So... Two games here that we really care about. Chelsea still look a bit sort of all at sea, and I've said so much about them recently, so I won't I won't cover them too much. Let's start with the big one, Liverpool versus Man City. Gundogan, obviously, as you said already, should have had a hat-trick, missed a penalty, which is classic Man City. He's missed two out of the six, or he's scored six and, and missed two, I think, now in his time at City. So no one there can take a penalty, except perhaps Edison, TBC. And Liverpool conceded a couple of goals to Alisson being absolutely just just carious incarnate. He was just making such bad decisions with the ball and he was panicked and he gave it away to Man City high up the pitch who were pressing well uh, and they got two goals at 1-1 and 2-1, uh, which, which sort of sealed the game for them at that point. What do you think, Jack? Do you think Liverpool look completely dead in the water? Do Man City just look so dominant that they're just going to walk the league now? Well, I mean, look, I... I think Pep certainly misses the likes of Van Dijk. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. I mean, Van Dijk last season was phenomenal. The fact that Liverpool just so happened to be missing Joel Matip, Joe Gomez at the same time as Van Dijk is is just a bit of a uh, a bit of a concern. Um, we've seen it over the last, I think, three games, four games now, where we have seen the likes of Jordan Henderson dropping back into that defensive role and partnering either Fabinho or, or one of the young players, Nat Phillips, coming up through through the ranks. Um but he signed play he signed a couple of defenders in the January transfer window. I don't know if maybe they're just lacking a bit of match fitness. Um I don't know if if, if he's waiting for you know quote unquote easy games or, or certainly more favourable fixtures to play them. But He's made those signings for a reason. Um, I, I I think that sooner rather than later we will see the likes of of, of Kabak and Ben Davies, not not the one from Spurs, obviously, um, featuring in that Liverpool defence, and maybe they can bring some solidarity to it. I I think every year there's a lot of uh, discussion about Jordan Henderson and and how a lot of people overrate him and, and, and think that he's so overrated but quite honestly when you look at that Liverpool side and that Liverpool midfield yes they got Thiago yes they got Wijnaldum in there and 
the Ox is is back in the mix as well, and Milner can step up, but none of them are that commanding presence in the middle of the park. And and you can see now that Henderson having to drop back deeper is is really a detriment to them going forward. Um, and 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 let's be honest, I mean Henderson isn't a fantastic centre back, you know. He's he is that player that will control the game from the middle of the park and him not being there to do that I think we're starting to see see the effects of it and I mean Liverpool without Henderson there to try and control things in front of him they, they do look a bit lacking going forward yes Salah got a goal but it was the penalty and, and maybe there are some question marks about him diving and whatever I mean I'm not going to complain he gets me seven points so you know at the end of the day I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Salah scoring but they, they look like they are lacking in creativity at the top of the pitch um, that being said, I mean, Trent and, and Robertson, up until the point where they conceded, or where, up until the point where they conceded that second goal, Trent, Alexander Arnold certainly looked fantastic. Um, I, I think as soon as they let in that second goal and then, you know, Allison making the, the errors that he made, I, I don't know what got into him. Um, it seems to be sort of, almost carbon copy errors both times as well you know he had the ball to feet and and he just sort of kicked it over to the left hand side of the pitch expecting Andy Robertson or or whoever it was there to to just run onto the ball and they didn't and I mean you've got to give credit to to the Man City players for being so alert and and perhaps even pressurizing Allison into making some of those mistakes I mean we talk about Gundogan but Foden um, was a fantastic player in in that game and you know there's been a lot of stories uh, during the week about Phil Foden and and being a future prospect for England and you know him growing up as a ball boy for for Manchester City and, and being a uh, being a mascot he's just he's been a revelation for them I, I understand why Pep doesn't want to perhaps rush him into things um, but yeah I mean he's he's been amazing for them we all expected, you know, with David Silva leaving the club at the end of last season, we all expected Phil Foden to slot straight into that position. It hasn't happened that way. But I think Pep understands what he's doing. He knows that he's still young. He knows that there is that raw talent there. And I think it's it's only a matter of time before Foden becomes a, a regular Premier League starter for them. Yeah, and there'll certainly be, not this year, but there'll certainly be some years coming as far as I know. Not know, as far as I know. I'm from the future, Jack. As far as I think, <laughs> there will definitely be years in the future where Phil Foden is priced at 10, 12, 12 like 11 mil, whatever, and and we consider him and buy him. I think as well, Foden has come out, you know, after the game saying, look, you know, there, there, there's been, there were rumours last summer about him going abroad and, you know, we've seen a lot of young English talent move abroad and, and turn out to be fantastic players. But I think he's come out and said, you know, I can see myself, I, or I want to see myself as being that that one team club. You know, I've supported Manchester City throughout the entirety of, of my life. I think I was reading an, an article earlier today and it was talking about how, you know, he grew up and his dad and his brother were both Man United fans. And, and he's been in the, the City Academy since I think the age of nine. And, and he's just been fantastic. Uh, for them and yeah like I say Pep Guardiola obviously sees a lot in him he was part of the under 17 England squad which won the uh, I believe it was the 2019 under 17 World Cup as well so the talents there I think Pep is very very good at nurturing young talent at, at football clubs and we've seen that 
countless number of times over over the years um certainly with him managing at Barcelona and, and Bayern Munich as well so we know how Pep likes to use his youngsters and certainly he uses his youngsters a bit more freely than than a lot of other Premier League managers do and 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 I think it's a I think it's a fantastic thing to just even have the likes of Phil Foden playing football um he he really is looking like a a real shining star for for that Manchester City lineup, and as you say, I mean, potentially down the line, he could be you know pushing the upper echelons of of you know eight, nine, ten million if he does become a regular starter. Oh yeah, I I, I think so. I'm actually so excited, Jack, for the Euros this year, <laughs> and I I just hope that Gareth, I hope that Southgate takes a step back and 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 hires maybe just quits. I hope that we get a competent manager in or Southgate does something intelligent because we have such a great generation of, of talent in the game at the moment. We've got Grealish and Foden and even James Madison, who's definitely making a move towards getting in the England squad. He was he was uh, said to the media that he'd been looking to try and get his numbers up so that Southgate would notice him. We've got Kane, who is just in great, he's just in great form. He's been in great form for the last couple of years, let's be honest. He's he's world-class, but we've got this great generation of, of youth that would be really, really good to take to the year. We could even play the whole Aston Villa defence. It would be beautiful. Or maybe maybe play Trent, because you mentioned it, you touched on it there, and I, I absolutely think that keeping Trent over Robertson was the move, because... Trent was getting forward better and he he was in the bonus points despite when they were one nil down he was still in the bonus points at 2-1 he was still in the bonus points and it was only after they conceded a bunch more <laughs> after they started really shipping goals that he he got out of it he was just creating so many chances he he provided the pass for Salah who who went down for the penalty he was he was all over the pitch in all of the good ways and the goals didn't really even come from his side so Big Trent fan. If you're looking for reasons to keep him, that game isn't one to well, that game's one to keep him, and it certainly isn't a reason to get rid of him. And um, with that, we'll move on to the other game, which is quite a big talking point. It's Spurs, or not the other game, the other game I want to talk about, which is Spurs versus West Brom, because I own Son, and I was I was fortunate enough to get returns in that game uh, as Kane came back in, into the fold, and I thought after the game. Okay, it's just West Brom though. We've said it already. West Brom are pants. They are they are not a good team. There's not a lot that anyone can do with that team except maybe I don't know Slaven Bilic or someone, some good manager <laughs> like that might be able to might be able to help them get like a draw at Man City maybe. Who knows? But but at the moment they're crap. They're appalling and they can see a lot of goals for fun. And after that game, I was thinking maybe the Spurs attack isn't that good. I don't want to get hyped up. I'm still selling Son for Sterling, which I did. However, yesterday. They played Everton in the FA Cup. The game was 4-4 and then it went to extra time. And in an extra time, Everton scored again, won it 5-4. And I was starting to think, actually, what if Spurs are a good attack? What if what if they're actually what if what if they're gonna start putting up good numbers again? What if what if things are changing? So I'm I'm half on the fence, and I'd love to hear where you come down on this because Son got two two return two returns. I think he got two assists, Kane got a goal coming off the bench there, there was a lot of action in the game for the players that are big and relevant to FPL a lot of action for the players that aren't like San no one cares that Sanchez scored two goals right because <laughs> no one's ever going to own Sanchez that, that that's in like a, a relic like a good position but um 
got me thinking, where do you come down on this? Because it's a cup game, so they'll be chasing the lead. It, they're very different games where a draw a draw in the league isn't necessarily good enough against Everton if you're if you're trying to compete. But in the cup, a draw and then take it to extra time, winning penalties or whatever, the results change and, and the meaning of the results changes and, and you start chasing you start chasing the game when you're losing more. Um, because you, you, it's literally all or nothing, right? And an embarrassing defeat doesn't matter in the cup so much, uh, especially when goal difference doesn't matter. And I wondered, do you think that this is this signifies a resurgence of Spurs' attack, or is it sort of a one-off situation? Just West Brom in a cup game. I, I, I'm nervous. Should I be nervous, Jack? Should I want Harry Kane? I, but this is it. I, I think what it what it shows for sure is we saw that prior to the to that game and of course the, the the game in the FA Cup I mean yeah Kane didn't start in the FA Cup but prior to that game you look at Heung-Min Son and, and he didn't look great let's be honest he did not look great without Harry Kane alongside him you know he he had a double digit haul in game week 17 against Leeds picking up a goal and an assist and, and a couple of bonus as well but then following that game I mean Fulham he got two points Sheffield yeah he got chipped in with an assist but it's not really Something that you would expect, you know, you, you'd expect him to get on the uh, to get on the score sheet against against Sheffield, and then you know Kane gets injured, he's out for a couple of games, and he gets two two two, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, is is Son is Son actually that good when he's not playing with Kane? And I I, I think it, I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, you know, I had him in my teams since the start of the season, and and, and he punished me when I took him out of of the team when he was flagged for an injury earlier on, but. I think if you're going for a Spurs attacking asset, for me it has to be Harry Kane. Um, he's he's certainly on my radar. Um, I think that there is a fairly good chance that, that that Spurs will double in in game week 26 now as well. So I'm sort of keeping that in mind. And as I mentioned earlier as well, Spurs are still in European competition, so there is still a chance that maybe he might uh, double again later on if they do potentially get knocked out I think uh, they, they play Wolfsburg in the Europa League and if they get beat by Wolfsburg they, they may even double in game week 27 so there is there are some permutations that will massively influence the transfer decision I think but yeah for me I think Harry Kane is just Spurs look like a completely different attacking unit when when he's playing um, as you say I mean the cup is a completely different animal to, to the Premier League and yeah I just think that Kane on his day, I think you know the added bonus that he's got penalties as well. Me personally, I'm, I'm maybe even thinking about going for the double up because of how well that 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 worked at the start of the season. And I mean, why can't it happen again? You know, why can't they go on a fantastic scoring and, and assisting run uh, like like they did at the start of the season? And you, when you look past game week 24 with their game against Man City, which I guess you know we'll, we will talk about in a moment in a bit more detail, but. You look at the fixtures and, and, and the teams that they're facing and, I mean, they look, all, all the games that they've got, bar maybe the Man United one after that, are, are very much a, they, they very much look like winnable fixtures and, and there's absolutely nothing to say that if Kane can remain fit for, for the remaining part of the season that Kane and Son can't be a viable option going forward. So, they're both certainly on my radar. I, I was a bit reluctant, certainly, with the Manchester City game coming up. I mean, you know, Spurs have had a 
bit of a tough run of fixtures, barring the, uh, the the West Brom game. They were sort of on and off, and again without Kane, it was a bit of a question mark looming over over Hugman Son, which I think a lot of managers were sort of encouraged to get rid of Hugman Son. I think that now that Kane's back, yeah, they are they are just a completely different animal, and 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 he is definitely a player who is going to be on my radar, and I'm going to be keeping half an eye on him, as as I say. Against Man City, can he can he turn up? Can he produce uh, and and deliver the goods? It will be you know Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola um, yet again. So we'll 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 see how that goes. I think another notable fixture that I want to talk about. You you mentioned it earlier that Fulham West Ham game, and there's been a lot of controversy, and, and, and we know now that Thomas Suchek's red card has been subsequently overturned. But there was a lot of controversy about that. And it happened very, very late on in the game. I think it was the 97th minute in that game. You know, the the West Ham players are, are forward into the box waiting for a free kick to be taken. And yeah, Suchek is sort of trying to out-muscle Mitrovic on the edge of the penalty area and trying to move his hand, trying to get his arm in, in a good position to try and uh, get a run on Mitrovic. And as he raises his hand or as he raises his arm, he accidentally elbows Mitrovic in the face. Mike Dean, of course, the referee in that game, you know, is, is told to go and have a look at it on VAR. And, and there's this whole question mark about intentional or not. I think even Mitrovic came out and said, you know, it wasn't intentional. It was an accident. And there was this whole theory, oh, because he's got his fist clenched and, and it looks like it's an aggressive action, that it was an intentional foul. It, it, as I say, it has since been overturned, but there's there, there's got to be something said now about the way that VAR is being used. And look, I I, I completely do not agree with you know the, the the death threats and everything that Mike Dean has been receiving. And I don't want to don't want to spend too much time talking about that because it is just completely wrong. But the way that referees are being you uh, are using VAR now, it's the technology is there to help them, and and there's got to be. There's got to be a bit more leniency with with that because especially when you get to watch it in, in in slow motion, maybe it doesn't give you the whole picture because they do get the benefit of watching it slow down. So maybe you know we've discussed this before. Something that's not intentional then looks like it's an intentional foul. I absolutely agree. It's it's the psychology of of these these things where the slow motion sometimes makes things look worse than they are or, or more aggressive than they are. I mean. He had his fist clenched. I run with my fists clenched. It's not, it's just like, I'm not running to punch someone. I'm not running because I'm aggressive, but I have my fist, cl- fist clenched because that's just how a lot of people like run or move or, or do things. So that's mad. They don't, there's not an appreciation for the, for the limits of the technology. Like, um, like that, like the slow motion thing, or like when it comes to the offsides that they give where, there's no there's no appreciation for the error of margin in in frame rate or picking when the ball is actually being released by the player or or drawing the like the lines to to these pixels that are very hard it's it's all too much for me sometimes it really is it is it's a VAR mageddon and I can't I can't hack it because the tool is good but it's being used in the wrong way a lot of the time and and there's no appreciation for the the limits and the, the the things that you can't do with it. And actually, do you know what, Jack? I glazed over that game. I had totally forgotten about the Suchek red card. It 
it was so irrelevant to me and it was such a non-part of my game week because he's not in my team and I don't really care about him. Well, and again, I should because he's like the sixth highest scoring midfielder. <laughs> I just totally, I totally missed it. I, totally, <laughs> I obviously knew it happened. I knew it had been overturned. But when I was going through the games then, I just thought, I don't care about West Ham. I have one of their players. I, and isn't that so symbolic of why I don't own or haven't even thought about Creswell this week, this this season? Because I really should think more about West Ham players. I just should. I bet you if I'd have played, because I didn't play many years ago, I bet you if I'd have played in the years of Dimitri Payet, I wouldn't have got him in, despite him being, I assume, a very, very good pickup for what would have been his price and, and the team he played in. And the fact that he did seem to score a free kick goal every other week when he was in the league. What a player he was, eh? So uh, there's something to do with me and just <laughs> mentally blocking out West Ham that uh, could be a problem for me, Jack. And it, it might be something to address with maybe a, th- a therapist or, or you <laughs> if you <laughs> later on. Um, oh, we'll move on because there's one more game. There, there was on Monday uh, Monday evening, Leeds beat Crystal Palace 2-0. And I know that we have one Crystal Palace fan at least that listens to the podcast who... Look, Crystal Palace were bad. It was quite a boring game. It was classic Bielsa where they, they just sort of push Palace... Well, they pushed Palace this time out of the game, which is very very different game to the, the 4-1 drubbing that Palace delivered to Leeds earlier on in the season. Bamford returned as per because he's Mr. Reliable. Uh, he also missed a really, really good opportunity to score just before that. And um, I think on that, there's not a lot to say because we've gone over the Leeds players and, and we should really be looking at players like Rodrigo and Rafina and, and Dallas, I mean, who you've already talked about, for the game week uh, that they have in 25, where they have a double. But Palace options, not a lot. When when Zaha, uh, when Zaha doesn't play, which didn't play, they don't score goals. They haven't scored a goal this season without him on the pitch, I think, or something mad like that. And I'm at the, they're at the point of the season where they're probably safe, so they probably don't need to try hard. It'd be nice to see them. I think this is the only thing I have to say about them, really. It'd be nice to see them play Mitchell at left-back over Patrick van Arnholt because he's out of contract at the end of the summer and probably isn't going to stick around um, and give him some experience or so so that they have him ready to go when, <laughs> you know, because he's a nice option. He's a great player and he's, he's obviously cheap in fantasy football, so he might sneak in under the radar. Um, and I'd like them to. See, I'd like to see them do that rather than doing something mad like going away and buying a left back to replace Patrick Van Arnholt. Um I don't know. Are their left backs about at the moment? Like Alfonso Davies? Wouldn't that be a pickup? <laughs> Crystal Palace love buying random players from the Bundesliga who seem too good for their team. Like Max Meyer. Do you remember him? So, so it wouldn't surprise me if they if they weren't betting in Alf- if they weren't betting in Mitchell because they're going to buy blooming Alfonso Davies, which would quite upset me. Um, have you got anything to say about Leeds? I, I know that you're a big Dallas fan who obviously picked up two returns in the form of a clean sheet and an attacking return in that game, playing as John Lundstrom. You're just smiling, right? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, he is John Lundstrom. <laughs> he, he literally is. I mean, if you, you know, we, we've seen this over the last couple of seasons where there will be a, a newly promoted side come into the Premier League and the Premier League will, will look back at the the previous season in the championship and and sort of assess where they were playing the majority of their games. I think more so with with Bielsa. I mean, Dallas is you know he he is a fullback. He and and, and that's what he was sort of brought up to be playing as as a fullback. I think even earlier in his career he was playing as a as a right winger as well. So he is he is versatile. I think Bielsa 
has that sort of mentality of when he selects or when, when he's in charge of a team. He likes to bring the mentality of any player should be able to play anywhere because that's what it certainly feels like watching Leeds play. I mean, you know, you see Bamford, you know, he is at the top of the pitch for the majority of the time, but he does drop a little bit deeper. He does let players run off of him. He lo- he lets the likes of Rafinha and, and, and Harrison get into the mix as well. So he is a, a fantastic player. And I think, yeah, Dallas is, again, I mean, he's, he's playing as a midfielder. He's currently only, well, yeah, he's he's only 4.7 million, I think, or might be up to 4.9 or 4.8 million, sorry. So, I mean, he, he's he's pretty much a steal for me. I, I think having him in there as well, um, he does give me a good rotation option um, as well. So I've got a couple of good 4.5, 4.6 uh, budget defenders that, that I'm really happy with. I mean, yeah, Soufal picked up a, a clean sheet and Dallas, yeah, he's just fantastic, mate. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing. I mean, you mentioned it as well. Rafinha is, uh, oh, I mean, he, he's a very attractive option. Certainly, I mean, my boy Suchek might even have to make way after off the game week twenty four. So I don't, I don't know. There's, there's some decisions to be made. There certainly isn't, and there are players, especially with Leeds, less so with Southampton, who also have a double in game week twenty five to be made about maybe getting in a couple of like a defender or or someone from those teams uh, to 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 bulk out your game week twenty five. I obviously already have Bamford and. And I think you probably will as well, unless you think of some big moves, Jack, uh, to do with DCL. I suspect that you'll probably move towards him too, although I'll ask you formally uh, after we've gone through the fixtures for 24, which actually, I was, I've was i had a little look at the fixtures and they, and they line up in a way where every day we've got some action, Jack, which is good. And I think by approximately eight o'clock on Saturday, you will already have decided whether your game week is a bust or not, <laughs> which would be fun. Because Saturday starts, it starts with Leicester versus Liverpool, um, Crystal Palace versus Burnley, then the big one, Man City versus Spurs. Then we take a short break for Jack to message me and tell me that Diaz scoring three own goals and getting sent off was was the was a sign of the Armageddon. <laughs> um, and that the game week's over. And then Brighton play Aston Villa in, in the evening kickoff for that. And again... Spread of players that we all own, very good way to start the week and, and to work out just how bad things are going to be. And then on Sunday, Southampton play Wolves, West Brom play Man United, Arsenal play Leeds, very interesting game, Everton play Fulham, uh, and then Monday is, is West Ham versus Sheffield United, Chelsea versus Newcastle, and then two days later on Wednesday, you have the double fixtures. You have Burnley versus Fulham and Everton versus Man City. And I think that's the story of the week, the double fixtures, the fact that Burnley, Fulham, Everton and Man City play two games. And of course, we've doubled up on Man City. You had you had, had got DCL in, in anticipation of him playing Fulham and Man City. And it looks like now he might miss the Fulham, well, amongst other things, it looks like he might miss the Fulham game now. Um, everyone else online seems to be going very hard on Burnley defenders and goalkeepers like like Nick Pope and, and me and Tarkowski, which I haven't done and I, as far as I'm aware, you haven't done. Should we have done that? Should should we have bought Nick Pope in for Martinez? That seems like a pretty silly move in my book, which is why I haven't even considered it. But but what what do you think? What's your take? Have you done it behind behind my back? Have you gone behind my back and bought Nick Pope? <laughs> have you have you considered it at all? I have considered it. Of course, of course, I have. Um, it's ah. When you consider, I mean, when you look at Burnley as as a team and 
and you have a look back at FPL and, you know, Burnley don't score a lot of goals. But one thing that's, that the Sean Dyche team is is good at is defending and, and setting up well defensively. And, and, you know, it's the reason really why they have been in the Premier League for, for a few years now. So he knows how to set up a team at the back. There was some concerns over Nick Pope being injured. And I know that a lot of people were panicking about it because he didn't start in the FA Cup. Um, Sean Dyche has since said, you know, he is back in training and, and he's fine and he's fit and he'll be ready to play. So I think a lot of managers are breathing a sigh of relief. I have been toying with the idea in bringing in uh, Matty Lowton into the squad. I haven't done it yet. Um, it may be something that I don't even do, to be honest. I'm looking at my team now and, and you know, I'm going through the sort of permutations. And now that we know that there are rumours that Antonio will be back and fit and, and, you know, Moyes has come out and said, you know, yeah, he's he's fine. Still don't have that confirmed. I'm looking at my team. I mean, really, the only the only players that I need to shift who are still left with, you know, no news about them would be DCL and Diaz. Now, I brought in Diaz last week only to bench him, which is, to be honest, I mean, it was it was a great move for myself, if I must say so. I mean... Salah scoring was was fantastic and it also cancelled out the the clean sheet for for City so having Cancelo playing only and then seeing Diaz uh, get a yellow card as well was 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 good. Um so really the only issue that I need to fix is is DCL and I didn't just bring DCL in because of the the double game week fixtures it was mainly bringing in DCL because you know when we that the Everton side prior to him getting back into it I mean he he came back in in the uh I think it was in one of the cup games and, and he scored a goal and it sort of started to look as if Everton were, you know, getting back to where they were at the start of the season with the likes of Richarlison and, and James Rodriguez back fit as well. And, you know, Gilfie Sigerson now firing on all cylinders um, after a, a, a good stint in the team. So there was more to it than just targeting the double game week. Obviously, it was something that I kept in mind going into making that transfer a couple of weeks back. But yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of managers as well were perhaps bringing in DCL just to cover the fact that they play Fulham. They've got Fulham and Man City. And, and I mean, there are rumours about him missing both games. If he misses the Fulham game, is he going to get anything against Manchester City, a defensive side who have been so solid, as I mentioned earlier as well? Really, the only the only change that I may make will be DCL down to either Bamford. I wish I could go down to Watkins. I'm in the same boat as you, I think, with with an Aston Villa substitute goalkeeper, um, Jed Steer. So do I really want to use a transfer to change Jed Steer to someone else so that I can have um, Watkins against Brighton? I don't know. Um, I, I can see the merit behind bringing in Pope for Martinez, even if it is just for one week. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Ma- Martinez has been, for me, he's been too good to drop. I mean, I, I think he can keep a clean sheet against any team, to be honest. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe Sufal makes way for for Matty Lowton. I don't know, mate. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm looking at my team right now, and I have plans going into it, and I've got two free transfers. It must be said. So maybe it's not the wisest thing to not make a change because you do then get a transfer back, and you can't have more than two free transfers in the bank. But I'm feeling comfortable with my team, and like I say, I mean, the only the only issue that I need to resolve if if DCL is out for an extended period of time will be DCL out of the squad, and and at that point, you know. You just bite the bullet and say, okay, well, I'm going to have one less player in the in the double game week. I'll go to Bamford, which then sets me up well for double game week 25. Well, I'll have uh, Dallas and Bamford into the team. And maybe even, as I say, 
using a, a transfer next week to go from Suchek to Rafinha and get the uh, Leeds triple up on the go. But I mean, yeah, it's it is what it is. I'm 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 being very patient. Um, it's very rare that I have two free transfers in the bank, um, so I, I, I like to have that as well. Um, there is also a possibility, maybe, of again, we'll, we'll just touch on it because I know we uh, we've just passed the hour mark, but. There is even a possibility of, you know, using a wild card in, in, in 25 and then bench boosting in 26 once we know more about who is going to be playing in 26. Gosh, Jack, I love it. I love the options that we've got. The You've actually presented, that's a new option to me, the wild card option, which I'm very excited about and something that makes a lot of sense when you say it out loud. It makes a lot of sense, the fitting in the, the bench boost and, and setting up your team for a decent sort of... 26 oh jack i'm very excited about the possibilities <laughs> don't don't get me started now right so yeah we're running out of time um i think the last thing we'll do is we'll very very quickly and it's going to be a very quick one say captaincy this week is hard you were right you said before fernandez has west brom away he loves to play away west brom are pants they're rubbish <laughs> but i can't personally i can't i can't look past captaining sterling i got him in for this reason i that was my move i didn't have any other plans i haven't actually got any other plans in the works because i like my team a lot and for me has to be sterling um easy decision is it is easy for you are you going to captain gunda captain captain are you going to captain gundawan or are you gonna are you gonna go for fernandez are you a brave boy Gundogan is the captain. Like, there's, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, I, I, I understand what I said earlier, and you know, Gundogan may not even be on penalties. I mean, Edison, who knows? We, we, we could both be staring down the barrel of Edison, you know, taking two penalties in, in, in the Tottenham and Everton games. So, it could, who knows? I mean, Edison could come out with a massive thirty-point haul, um, keeping two clean sheets against those two sides. But I think. Gundogan is is going to be that player. I mean, as you say, he he did start in the FA Cup, so I think a lot of managers were a bit skeptical um, at that time. But he did come off fairly early, or fairly early on in the second half, should I say? So, I think him and Sterling are both viable options. I mean, I'm a bit I'm a bit jealous. I don't have Sterling if I'm if I'm completely honest, because he does look like the the pick of the bunch at the moment in in terms of being. More of a regular starter in that side, and I mean Gundogan without penalties, can he still keep it? Up? Can, can he keep it up? I mean, he scored two against Liverpool. Why am I even questioning myself? Of course he can. Gundogan against Tottenham and Everton, surely going to be a massive, massive haul for him. Great, I I agree. And actually, as we come to the end of the podcast this week, I believe Jack. And although there was a little, we were. We edged close to it during the Leeds talk and, and you, you almost got there as well when you're talking about all the potential transfers you can do and about your Gundogan captaincy. But this week, Jack, a whole hour and you haven't mentioned a cheap budget midfielder that, you, that you're <laughs> very into, which I think is magical. I think that that is that that is it's also a shame. It's also a shame because I'd have loved. For you, do you want me to do you want me to ruin it? Then? Yeah, you're big on uh, Almiron. You big Almiron fan. <laughs> no, I mean if I'm if I'm targeting a double game week for a cheap player, it's got to be Adam Ola Lookman, man. Oh, of course, I'm, it has I'm to just be. throwing it out there. It's got to be Adam Ola Lookman. I mean, he's got a game against Everton, a game against Burnley, and I mean, they're both away from home. But Adam Ola Lookman looks like he could be the differential pick this week, and that's and yeah, maybe maybe that's my sort of budget midfielder pick for the week. I don't know if I'll make that transfer because, uh, well, I just don't have any cojones. But you know. 
And, that, and that's it. I don't need to ask you for a hot take at the end of the podcast because <laughs> you've given it to me. Adam Ola-Lukman is going to be the player of the week. He's going to score the most points this week. That's what Jack has said. Uh, well, that's what I'm pretending Jack has said. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's where we're going to end the podcast this week. Thank you very much for listening and uh, catch us next time.